Romans 12, verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation. Everybody say total. But you got to say it like, like a 90s valley girl. Okay? Yeah. Total. Like that. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Much better. By the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Not a partial reformation. Not a piecemeal, comfortable, choose-your-own-adventure reformation. But a total reformation of how you think. The idea of renewing your mind is something that um, goes back to the, the early church. The truth of what it means to take wrong thoughts captive, tear them down, and, and then you have to replace them with something, something valuable, something life-giving, something true. And I believe um, the ability and the confidence to renew our minds and to know how to renew our minds and to actually allow God's Holy Spirit in an inward way to, to bring us to a total reformation of how we think. Romans 12 says that that's actually what's going to empower us to discern God's will as we live out our lives, our beautiful lives that are satisfying and perfect in his eyes. How many of you would hear, here today would say that in some way, big or small, that you would want to know God's will for your life. Show of hands. Even, even if you're uncertain about this whole God thing, maybe there's a part of you that still has a hunger and a longing to know that somebody out there has got your back and, and has, has some meaning and some plan for your life. I think it's safe to say that if we've made a decision to follow Jesus, um, and even if we haven't yet, that we, we want to know God's thoughts. We, we want to know what he thinks about things, we, and we certainly want to know what his will is for our personal and individual lives, but also what his will is for us as a people, as a family. Over the next four Sundays, I would like to present some specific ways that you and I can invite the Holy Spirit to transform how we think. And when we, when we approach the subject of renewing our mind... To evolve is to develop gradually over time. Bit by bit, we're being transformed into the image of Jesus. And a lot of people make resolutions this time of year. They set a goal. And when they've achieved that goal, that goal's done. To choose a New Year's evolution means that each one of us are going to submit our lives to Holy Spirit on the inside, transforming us bit by bit, day by day, month by month, year by year. And the only end date in sight is when we close our eyes and take our final breath. That's it. The day we're perfect is the day we're dead. Until then, we've got stuff to work on. Maybe it's just me. 
But I would like to invite each one of you to commit to a New Year's evolution with me and change what you think. Allow Holy Spirit to, to change how you think about four specific things that I think are going to help us. I want to I look at what it means to be disciplined. I want to look at what it means to be patient. I want to look at what it means to be courageous. And I want to look at what it means to be confident. And maybe allow God's Spirit to change our thinking about those four things. Number one, we're going to start today. What is confidence? Do you know any confident people? Do you like confident people? Maybe they drive you mad. Maybe they invigorate, or maybe they invigorate you and make you want to be more confident. Or maybe they just tick you off because you find them annoying, right? The definition in the dictionary of the word confident is this. It's a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. Do you know any confident people that are uh, certainly appreciate their own abilities and their own accomplishments? You might not even call them confident. You might call them arrogant. I don't know. You might call them cocky. Right? You might say, oh, they're, they think they're better than me. Look at them, so sure of themselves. Who do they think they are? We judge their hearts, we judge their intentions, and as such, never stop to ask if there's something we could learn from those people. But that's not the definition of confident that I want to lean into. When we think about being confident, we think, well, I'm self-assured in my own ability, in my own capability, and as such, I'm confident. What if there was a different way to view confidence? Because confidence has a purpose. Confidence is necessary. Confidence is needed in your life and in my life if we're going to fulfill the mission that God's set out for us. I, I appreciate confidence. In the right settings, it's always attractive. Always. We're walking to a new restaurant, sit down at a table, open up a menu, a server comes over, and they're confident. And you say, hey, this is my first time here. What's good here? And without missing a beat, they say, oh, my goodness, you've got to try the beet salad with the, with the feta cheese and the arugula. It's just the mixture is just like this beautiful thing. And, and if you like salad, you should try that. But if you don't, the chicken and waffles here is absolutely incredible. We put this like sriracha syrup over top of it. It's got a little bit of heat and a little bit of sweet. It's absolutely incredible. And this, this server at a restaurant is in, unbelievably confident as they begin just telling you what their favorite things are. And, and wouldn't you probably pick one of the things they recommend? You're just going to be all lit up and go, man, you're just so pumped about this. I'm going to go with that. In the right settings, confidence is attractive. In a, in a clothing store, if you're going in to, to buy a new article of clothing, do you want a salesperson that's, like, not confident? You're probably going to turn around and walk out. Probably go somewhere else where you're going to find someone who can help you with a sense of confidence. You know, a few years ago, Julia, our daughter, she's 13 now, but she broke her jaw. She was uh, playing a game of who can hold their breath the longest with some classmates. Don't tease her about this. Um, but uh, she's committed, right? She's, she's a dedicated girl, so she won. She held her breath the longest, and as such, she actually uh, passed out. And she was on a gym floor, and she fell face first and landed on her chin, and she broke her jaw, and she bent her jaw, and then she was a hot mess. 
And Nicole was in Calgary. We were living in Winnipeg at the time, so I raced to the school and took her to the hospital. And, and uh, they had to do surgery, and they had to put plates in her jaw. And, and do you know what? The medical team that served us were so confident. They were confident in the truth of something. They were confident in, oh, my goodness, we've seen injuries like this before. Your girl's going to be just fine. She's young. She's going to heal quickly. We've done this surgery so many times. This is gonna, it's going to work. It's going to be beautiful. And they were confident. And it wasn't a confidence in their ability and, oh, I'm a good surgeon. You'll be fine. It was a confidence in, in a truth about something. It was confident in, we've seen this before. We've walked this road before. And they had such confidence. And you know how much that served me as a dad that was just like wanting to just take this away from my little girl, but I couldn't? Here's another definition of confidence. What if confidence is not just a feeling of self-assurance, but what if it's this, the state of feeling certain about the truth of something? I am confident because I am certain about the truth of something. Well, what are we certain about? That's what I want to look at. Because I think most of us are in the ditch. We think to serve God means that we have to, to think less of ourselves. And there's something theologically sound in that kind of thinking, God, less of me, more of you. But as we interact with the world around us, or do we assume a lowly position and a, oh, you know, I, I know you're hurting, you know, but who am I to step in and, and pray for you? And I, I know... I know that person's going through something, but I, I don't want to meddle. We need to have a confidence that's rooted in a feeling of being certain about the truth of something. When we make the decision to trust and follow Jesus, all that's required of us, this is it, it's real simple. All that's required of us is an unparalleled obedience to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Now, that's church talk. Some of you are like, I don't even know what those things are. So I'm going to tell you what they are. But when you make a decision to follow Jesus, it's actually really easy. You just have to choose to have unwavered obedience to what the Bible calls the great commandment and then the great commission. The great commandment is love God and then love other people the way that you love yourself. And it's also love God and love other people the way that Jesus showed you love. And then the Great Commission is go out and share this good news with whosoever. The Bible speak actually says go into all the world and baptize them, share Jesus. But what's required of us as we learn to trust and follow Jesus is an unwavering obedience to the Great Commandment. How am I today learning to grow in my love for God and my love for others as I love myself and as Jesus showed love to me? And how am I fulfilling the Great Commission? That's all that's required of you. Right now you're thinking, man, does that mean I have to quit my job? No. Keep working your job. But as you work your job really well, do it with a renewed sense and an unparalleled and unwavered obedience to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Well, is, is, if I'm just supposed to focus on those two things, does that mean I get to bail out of my marriage? No, it means you get to press into your marriage. It starts at home. Actually, this great commandment, a great commission thing begins in our home. You know, we desire to, to show love to each other and to our children and to just disciple our kids 
first before we show love and disciple any, anywhere else. It starts at home. So love others as you love yourself. What if you don't love yourself? What if your self-image and your self-worth is poor? Then how do you show love to other people? It's, it's going to flow out of that place of, of second-guessing. But here's, here's the, let's call it a formula, but three steps. Number one, I understand that God loves me, and there's nothing I can do to earn that love. He just loves me. Number two, I choose to build my life on that love, and as such, I begin to understand my worth, a worth that only comes from Jesus. So the certain truth that God loves me begins to move me towards understanding that my life has value because of that great love. And then number three, I am so certain of the truth that my life has value because of Jesus that I begin to have real confidence to truly love and serve the world around me. If my love for other people flows out of how I genuinely and authentically love myself, then we have to ask, how do I love myself? What do I think of my own worth? Is it in light of my own accomplishments or failures? Is my own worth wrapped up in what I've messed up at over the years or what I've failed at or what I've neglected? Or is my own worth wrapped up in how much God loves me and the love that Jesus made a way for? And I find my value in that. And that confidence, that feeling of being confident and certain that that is true. God loves me no matter what. I can't earn it. I can't wiggle my way out of or underneath or away from that love. Jesus paved the way, and it's mine. And as such, that begins to shape how we interact with the world around us. Remember that true, authentic, and God-centered confidence is not self-assurance from appreciating your own qualities or abilities, but it is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. And in this case, it's the truth that your life has value because of Jesus. But confidence has a purpose. If I find myself rooted in that love in that great commandment where I'm loving God and receiving love from God and showing love to other people and finding value and worth in in that love and that makes me confident, that's great. But you can't stay there because confidence has a purpose. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit changing your thinking today about what it means to be confident, the reason for that is so that you have confidence to step into your place as a part of the Great Commission. I find it interesting that so many people that say they follow Jesus believe that they don't have a part to play in the Great Commission. You believe that the Great Commission is important? Yes, we should be telling other people about Jesus. We should be sharing our faith with other people. We should live our lives in such a way that it's a credit to the message of Christ and as such see people see people's lives transformed. Of course, we believe that to be true. And yet we can check out of our own sense of place and purpose in our spot as a part of the Great Commission. So I want to share three things with you today as we close. Number one, let's take a look at confidence. True confidence in us allows other people to see Jesus more clearly. I hope you change your mind on this today, that if you're truly confident It's not about people looking at you and saying, oh, look at what they're good at or what they've accomplished. But true confidence 
actually allows other people to see Jesus more clearly. As you continually submit your life to the power of God's Spirit inside of you and the life-giving truth that we absorb from time together like this and time reading the Bible and time in prayer and time with other people, it's, it's going to bring up a confidence in you that, that could just very well stun the world around you. What if people looked on and said, what, that person is so confident. What's the source? What's the root of that confidence? Because it's not arrogance and it's not pride and it's not a cockiness. It's just a healthy confidence. There's a story in Acts chapter 4 about Peter and John. And here's what it says. They, the crowd, couldn't take their eyes off of them. Peter and John standing there, so confident, so sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realized that these two were laymen with no training in Scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus. But with the man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? Right before this uh, passage, Peter and John had healed a man, and they were preaching in the temple. Notice the motive here in this example is to serve and to help other people. Peter and John were teaching with confidence because they knew something incredible. They knew something true and they wanted to share it with everyone. Also notice, it wasn't their unique education or their accomplishments or some extraordinary quality that brought surprise and confusion to the crowd. Peter and John stunned the then-known world with their confidence and were quickly recognized as being companions of Jesus. They stood with confidence as they taught, as they healed, and people looked on and on and said, wow, that confidence, these were companions of Jesus. You see, real and true confidence never makes you look bigger. It lets others see clearly how amazing our Jesus is. I can't help but think that a surge of true confidence in our lives as we change our thinking on this would cause us to start conversations with people that we don't know and maybe be their answer to a problem. Maybe create moments of hope for people who are otherwise clouded in despair and brokenness. A couple of years ago, I was in a hospital visiting with uh, a friend of mine who was sick. And after my visit, I, I got on the elevator, and I was riding, riding down to, uh, to the exit. And a woman stepped onto the elevator with me, and it was just the two of us in the car. And, I, and I, she was standing to my side. We were both facing the door, and I looked over at her. And then I instantly had this sense that her world was falling apart. I don't know why I felt that way. Maybe it was the Spirit of God inside of me reminding me that, Confidence has a purpose. And so I decided to say hello. I said, hi there. How's your day going? And she looked over at me like surprised and frantic, and she said, not good. And so I I quickly said, look, you don't know me. We've never met before, and, and this could be really weird, but I just want you to know that that God is right here with us in this elevator. And whatever that means to you, um, he wants you to know that there's hope. And, and I'm just wondering, is there anything specific that I could pray for with you? And she started crying. And the elevator came to the bottom. We stepped off and stood off to the side. And she shared with me that her husband had just been diagnosed with cancer. 
and that it was terminal and that it didn't look good. And that as she left his room and walked to the elevator, she actually cried out on the inside and said, God, where are you? Where are you in this? And is it a coincidence that, that somebody who was following Jesus, not me, okay, this is actually about me, but somebody that follows Jesus was on the elevator with her and that inward confidence rose up enough to just connect and begin talking. You know, I've learned to do this because I believe it's valuable. I believe it's kingdom work. I believe it's part of the Great Commission. But maybe, just maybe, you understanding for the first time today and, and, and renewing your thinking on confidence, that when you operate in confidence, it's actually about people seeing Jesus, not you. Do we miss out on moments of divine and eternal worth because we're too afraid of what so-and-so or whoever might think about me? Who gives a rip? Who gives a rip? Be more concerned with what they'll think about the God that you profess to serve and let them experience the laughter and the life and the joy and the peace that comes even in the middle of a storm. When we're moving through hell, we don't stay there. We continue to fix our eyes on Jesus. We continue to wrap our worth in Jesus. I understand that God loves me. There's nothing I can do to earn it. I choose to build my life on that love and as such begin to understand my own worth. And then I'm so certain about the truth that because of Jesus, my life has value connected to the Great Commission that I have confidence to truly love and serve the world around me. Number two, true confidence in us flows out of having a right foundation. Two years ago at Christmas time, my son Riley, leading up to Christmas, he said to me, Dad, yes, Riley, you know what I want for Christmas? What, Riley? All I want for Christmas, more than anything, is three straight days building Lego with you. It's a deal, right? I actually love building Lego. Um, in the story that Nicole shared earlier about her um, falling into temptation and buying an Nanaimo bar, uh, we were actually looking at Lego when she, I heard a rustle, and I turned behind me, and she pulled this Nanaimo bar out of her purse. And, uh, but we were looking at Lego, because I, I love Lego, and, and I've noticed something about my two sons. Um, you know, when we spontaneously build, when we master build, not when you, like, buy a kit and follow the instruction manual, but when you just start building Lego, they like to build big and fast, and they build up. You know what happens when my boys build big and fast and up? It doesn't stay together. It falls over. And so I'm teaching my sons about using Lego and building a proper foundation like if we're building towers or building a house, we, we, you know, we spread the blocks out and then we build, we build a, a base that's, that's large enough to handle the weight of whatever we're building. And, and my boys like to build fast and furious, just block upon block upon block upon block, straight up. And sure enough, crash, it falls over. And I actually think part of the fun of them building Legos, they like the crash. But we tend to allow all the little individual pieces of our lives to stack up and stack up and stack up and stack up. We're frantic because we don't want to disappoint people or we don't want to let somebody down. We neglect either through default or through design. We neglect to strengthen our own base. What are you building your life on? What are you building your confidence in and on? What are you building on? When our confidence is placed on anything other than the loving acceptance of our Creator, we're engineering failure into our foundation. When we build our confidence on anything other than Jesus... It's like we're, we're setting out to fail. We have to build 
our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, in the book of Psalms 18.31, it says this, Could there be any other God like you? You are the only God to be worshipped, for there is not a more secure foundation to build my life upon than you. There is not a more secure foundation to build your life upon than the person of Jesus Christ and the nature and character of God the Father. He is our foundation. He is our source. What are you building your confidence on? What are you building that sense? Once you've discovered your worth and your value and you're certain about the truth of that, what are you building that on? Are you building that on a net worth or on a physical appearance or on giftedness, on a talent or an ability? Who you're connected to, spouse, friendship, where you've come from, your family, your history, the legend of your family, on social media, how many people connect with your content. What are you building your worth in? Because what happens when all those things falter and when they fail? Because they will. They're gonna. What we need to use as our definition of confidence is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. And when we're certain about the truth of the worth and the value that our lives echo with God's love and how Jesus loved us and how that causes us to reciprocate that love not only to God but to other people and use that confident love to step into fulfilling our place in the Great Commission, do you have a foundation? Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to His direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Again, this is about inviting and allowing God's Holy Spirit to change how we think about what it means to be confident and the purpose for confidence today. What are you building your confidence on? Is it your flesh? Is it you, your stuff, your ability? Or or is it God through His Spirit and the truth of Him and God's ability? And lastly, true confidence in us isn't a feeling or a personality type. It is a choice attached to a corresponding and faith-filled response. True confidence in us isn't, isn't just a feeling or a personality type. It is a choice that's attached to a corresponding and faith-filled action or response. Faith is at work when we can see the outcome and then we move towards that outcome with our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. And the example of the woman in the elevator holds true. If I, stood with, if I stood there and allowed that voice on the inside of me to look over and say, something's off here. And I didn't make a choice to open up my mouth and actually say something. What would have happened? I don't know. What's important is when we feel those nudges, when we notice somebody, when we're in a place and we see something do we just overlook it? Do we, do, we, do we pass by? Or do we step in courageously, boldly, at our own cost, at our own hurt, and step into someone else's world and bring life and hope? What if we just chose to behave and speak and respond and act the way that we perceived a confident person would? What if we just 
What if this was our exercise for the next four weeks? Whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm doing it, I'm just going to pretend that I'm confident. I'm going to pretend that my foundation is secure and that my love and my value innate in who God is. And whatever I say, however I interact with people, I'm just going to, I, I think I know how confident people behave and act and speak and live. So I'm just going to pretend that I'm that person. What if we just pretended to be more confident? Do you think God could honor that? Do you think God could live in that tension? Maybe it goes against our better nature and our character and our personality type. And again, this isn't about you being like, woohoo, look at me. Hey, baby, how's it going? How are you doing today? How you? Hey, you're looking good. Right? It's not about putting on a show. It's about being willing to step into people's lives and say, hey, you look down. Can I ask what's going on in your world? And if, if that's too personal, I don't want to pry, but I couldn't help but notice you look like you're going through something. Take a deep breath because that was really hard. But then it opens up and unlocks a moment where you get to share hope and life and truth and victory and Jesus with somebody. What if we just chose to behave and speak and respond and act towards other people the way that we perceived a confident Jesus-following person would behave and speak and act towards other people? So Romans 12, verse 2 again. When it comes to being confident, let's stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around us. In other words, I'm confident because I'm good at this or I've accomplished that or I've done these things. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think today. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Our New Year's evolution starts with an understanding of what it means to be more confident this year. We actually begin to evolve into the image of Jesus when we reject our culture's ideals and opinions of what it means to be confident. Our culture says, feel confident, feel self-assured in what you're good at. But the renewed and transformed mind says, choose real confidence because of the certainty of the truth of the beautiful life that Jesus invites each one of us into. When I think of the the person and the story and the narrative and the history of the person of Jesus Christ, I never once dreamed or imagined Jesus to be arrogant or cocky. But I do believe he oozed confidence everywhere he went. And that confidence is what gave him the ability to stoop down and, 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 and bring up the broken. What gave him the ability to, to just walk up to a perfect stranger who was busy at work and say, hey, what you're doing here is cool, but actually I want you to come follow me. Come, I've got a greater purpose to pull you into. That confidence that no matter where he went, no matter who he, who he was with, Jesus oozed confidence that, that pushed him into the Great Commission. Choose real confidence because of certainty in the truth of this beautiful life that God invites us into. A life where other people begin to see Jesus more clearly a life that is built upon a right foundation of Jesus, and a life that isn't about our abilities or our qualities, but a life that's fixed on loving others with each one of our confident and faith-filled actions and responses. Today, let's choose to become truly confident, allowing other people to see Jesus, having the right foundation, And then using that foundation to springboard into not just great commandment, but great commission. 
as we look for ways to inspire and bring life and hope and vision and Jesus to other people. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here together. Thank you for the truth that we find written in these passages of the Bible. God, many of us here today, maybe we don't see ourselves as confident people. Maybe we question our own worth. Maybe we don't understand fully that that our life has intrinsic value because of Jesus' love for us. That it's not a love that we have to earn or work our way into, but just a gift that we get to receive. Man, when we begin to operate in that love and, and live in that love and reciprocate that love, begin to give back, show, show love to other people, show love to God. The reminder is that it's not just about loving people, but it's about loving people for a purpose. The great commandment living leads us into great commission purpose. God, we desire to have the kind of confidence to step into the life of someone who's hurting, to step into a, a family that's, that's going through hell, to step into a moment that looks broken. And what's beautiful is you want to use us to accomplish these things today. It isn't about us fulfilling a specific education or or being qualified enough. It isn't about us having served Jesus long enough, been a Christian for X amount of time, or being spiritual enough. It's about right now. It's about this day. It's about this life and these moments. And that where each one of us is at, regardless of whether we think we're messed up or all together or somewhere in between, where each one of us are at, you invite us to not just experience the love, but to use that love as a springboard to tangibly and practically and confidently show love to other people. Change the way we think. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do an inside, inward shift that if we've believed wrong things about what it means to be confident or believed wrong things about confident people, that we would leave here today energized and renewed in our own desire to grow in confidence this year as we seek to do your will. Thanks so much for listening. Visit EvolveChurch.com for more information. And if you ever in the Edmonton area, stop by.